0: This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family wealth and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Take that blessing, take that inheritance and live the life you've always wanted. Also, there's a way to give back. And I would recommend that. I believe more money in people's lives just amplifies who you already are as a person. So if you want to help people now in your life, if you want to do good, you'll be able to do even more of that with your million dollar inheritance. show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids & Money community about how to retire early after receiving a $1 million inheritance. Yeah. Second, we are back with our net worth win segment. This month, we're going to be featuring Sammy from Texas. She and her husband recently increased their net worth from major negative territory to now over $350,000 by age 33. We're going to chat about how they did this and their long-term goals for early retirement as well. And last but not least, my son Calvin is here once again for another good word. We're sharing some recent good news and talking about what it means to my seven-year-old son. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Anonymous via voicemail, and here it is. Hi, I was reaching out to you on Instagram. It's regarding a 40-year-old person like myself, father of a nine and 11-year-old, married, recently inherited a large sum of money, right around a million dollars, and working a dead-end network admin role, trying to figure out ways to make that money be my way out of a nine-to-five grind. Best ways for that money to become what can generate Replacement income. Thank you in advance. This is a big question and thank you for trusting my opinion. I appreciate it. I'm also a 40 year old guy with a couple of kids as well. So I feel like I can at least give you my opinion in that sense to help you and guide you, but to tell everyone listening really, again, this is for entertainment purposes only. That's what this show is about. So in a situation like this, it makes a whole bunch of sense to meet with a financial professional who knows a lot more details about your specific situation. So I know I say that typically at the end of the show, I'm going to put it at the beginning of the show, just so you know, this information that I'm armed with right now is just your age, you're 40, your inheritance level, the, the amount you're getting and just your general desire to fire from your dead end career. It sounds like you're not, uh, not happy with what you're doing. Now, there's a whole lot of other information that would be very helpful in making an informed opinion here, but for entertainment's sake, let's press on. So with that fair warning, everyone, as well as Anonymous, I'd like to share what I would do if I were in your position, since we are pretty similar dudes. (laughs) Not what you should do, but what I would do, okay? So through the 300 plus episodes that we've done on this show, I have learned that there are three major ways to find your version of family financial independence. And they are as follows. Here we go. Stock market, real estate investing, and small business. So I'm going to review all three of these options with your $1 million inheritance, and then finish with what I would do with the money if I wanted to leave my network administrator job. Oh, and before I start depending on where you live, Anonymous, you'll want to research estate taxes and inheritance taxes. This may impact that final number you're working with. So for example, in my great state of Michigan, we have no estate taxes and we have no inheritance taxes. So that's a plus if I were to ever be in that situation. Now, if you were to live in Maryland, residents can be affected by both estate and inheritance taxes. So take a look at it. I'm going to include a link in the show notes that have uh, states with inheritance and estate taxes. So you, you know, and I'll put that in the show notes for you to find out for your situation. Okay, back to my list of three family financial independence starters. Number one, stock market investing. One option for the $1 million inheritance would be to create a stock market portfolio that provides you a monthly income very simple, right? According to payscale.com, the average network administrator in our country makes around $60,000. You know, perhaps you make more than this. Perhaps you make less anonymous. I'm going to use the $60,000 for this example. To replace a $5,000 per month income and a potential $1,300 per month allocation for healthcare and dental benefits, I would invest in a portfolio similar to Vanguard's Target Date Fund 2025. This fund's essentially like a 60-40 portfolio. That's 60% stocks and 40% bonds or fixed income. Over time, the fixed income and bond allocations will increase, providing the portfolio with less volatility. Now, based on the average annual returns since the fund's inception in 2003, the average return is 7.47%. Let's subtract average inflation of 3% and bring that down to 4.47%. Yes, I know, inflation has been a lot higher than that lately, but on average, 3% still makes sense in my opinion. According to this awesome calculator that I found on NerdWallet's website that helps you determine how long your investments might last, this portfolio could provide $6,300 of monthly income for around... 18 years. By that time, you would be closing in on your traditional retirement years and hopefully be able to live off of some of your other traditional retirement funds like a 401k, an IRA, or a health savings account, HSA. So the pros to this approach of using your $1 million inheritance in the stock market would be that it's very hands-off, very passive, and it allows the stock market to do its work, And then lastly, it provides enough income to reach your traditional retirement years. And then cons to this approach of using a million dollars of inheritance in the stock market is that you're not very involved and it's very passive. So you might want to be more involved. You might want to be more involved in your income. Uh, Secondly, the portfolio might not return 7.47% annually because past market performance does not predict future market performance, as we all know. And then lastly, you may not have any traditional retirement funds accumulated to date that you could use in your 60s. So you might be stuck there. So those are the pros and cons of this approach. That's number one. Number two, real estate investing. Perhaps you'd like a little bit more of a hands-on approach with your million-dollar inheritance, right? Well, real estate investing might be for you. As a busy parent and a former landlord, I really want nothing to do with real estate at this time in my life because taking care of my house that I have already is enough, is enough for me. <laughs> but you may love the idea of managing homes, fixing them up, designing layouts, and helping tenants to find their home. I've spoken to dozens of real estate investors, and there are a variety of ways to get into real estate from single family or multifamily buy and hold rentals to real estate crowdfunding, commercial real estate, syndications, house flipping- and so much more. Given your desire to replace your monthly income, let's talk about buy and hold rentals as an option. To get the most bang for your buck here, you're gonna wanna find investment homes that provide you with the highest income return for the lowest price. If managing the property sounds painful, but you still want to own real estate, you could consider a partner like Arrived Homes. They allow people to buy shares of rental properties in profitable areas of the country and they allow them to sit back and and earn the income and the property appreciation over time. So I'll put the link for Arrived Homes in the description so you can check them out. Let's say you go with single family rentals. Now, there are estimates that show this type of investment can yield around 7.7% per year. That is before taxes. Now, factor in average inflation over the decades and we'll call it a 4.7%. That 4.7% income dividend won't provide enough annual income to cover your income and your health care costs. Instead of the $6,300 with the stock market option that we talked about that's going to last 18 years, you'd look at around $4,000 per month with this real estate option when you factor in inflation and taxes over time. But the awesome thing with real estate is that your assets grow over the years as well. With a million dollars in real estate and an average appreciation of 3.8% in 20 years, your million dollar portfolio could look a little bit like $2 million. So If you don't have a lot of traditional retirement investments, as we discussed in the first example, you'd have plenty more assets with this real estate option. So let's talk about the pros and the cons. The pros for real estate investing with your million-dollar inheritance are, compared to the more conservative stock market option, the overall return can be higher with real estate investing. You're more involved... In the decision making process, that may be something that you want to be a part of. And the real estate appreciation can provide quality assets in retirement. That'd be cool to have $2 million worth of real estate in retirement. And then let's talk about the cons of this approach. This approach may not cover your monthly income needs over the long term, and income is based on your tenants and your rent payments. So there's a major human element to this approach that may be out of your control over the long term. And then depending on which approach you go with, it may be a lot more work than passive stock market investing overall, you know, the stock market, it's a pretty solid option. If you want a little bit more return, real estate investing is going to do that for you. It's going to require a little bit more work from you. That's just sort of in a nutshell. All right, that's option two. Number three, small business ownership. As a small business owner who is crafting his 25-hour workweek schedule and doing work that he loves, I love this option, man. I love this option. Your $1 million inheritance can work as seed money to get your business off the ground, and this could be your chance to provide a solution to something you've been passionate about for years but never had the chance until now. Successful business owners can not only create a healthy living for themselves, but they can work fewer hours, they can solve important problems in their community or potentially across the world. On the flip side, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics shares that around half of businesses fail after their first five years. This can be due to poor planning, lack of financial support, or just not navigating the market that you're jumping into. For me... I can give you my example. I've been working on my small business for around five years, and I'm happy to report I haven't failed. <laughs> Woohoo! I pay myself a salary of around $50,000 per year, and I have a goal of getting that to $60,000 by the end of this year. And I definitely did not have a million dollar inheritance to start. I didn't have that much money to ramp myself up. I think I did put away $100,000 to ramp myself up. Didn't really end up utilizing a lot of that, but it definitely gave me the confidence in the cushion to get things going. But my ramp up period to get to this $50,000 salary was about five years. So consider my experience into your plan. That's just my example. There are dozens of successful business owner stories that I've had a chance to learn about or interview that have gone on to do incredible things a lot quicker than I have and, and have been majorly profitable. So depending on what business you choose, you could be a lot more profitable and a lot sooner. For a general income reference, though, according to ADP, the average small business owner salary in 2021 was $62,000. So, given your needs over time, this could be a really good option for you to consider. So, let's talk about the pros of small business ownership with your million dollar inheritance. You have a chance to follow your passion and make enough to cover your former salary and benefits. That's cool. Secondly, The growth opportunities are limitless with small business ownership. I am just getting started in this world. So maybe I'm making 50, 60 K this year. I hope to beat my salary that I was making of $180,000 in my last year of work in the next couple of years. That's my goal. I would love to, to do that. I think the options and opportunities are limitless. You also can live off of your inheritance for the first few years before your business grows and becomes an income source. That's an option for you. Let's talk about the cons of using your million dollar inheritance for small business ownership. It may not provide you income right away, and your business could fail, and you will have eaten into your inheritance, which could be a bummer over the long run. And this approach is not passive, really, at all. You'll be highly involved in creating your income. Okay, so that's option three. Now that I have shared. All these three options, I would love to share what I would do with a million dollar inheritance if I wanted to quit my job. Considering I absolutely love what I do now, it may not come as a surprise that I would recommend some sort of small business ownership or call it side hustle or just work that you enjoy that pays some money as your path to replacing your income at work. Creating your own business on your own terms with your own schedule that you love is just incredible. Also, you could develop a business that allows you to move toward an area you're passionate about. I love helping families build wealth and happiness. So that's my business, right? But it's not all sunshine and rainbows here at the uh, Marriage, Kids & Money headquarters, everybody. Making money each month, it's hard, and it takes a lot of work. Now, I've been open in the past about the disadvantages of entrepreneurship. It can be stressful. It can weigh on your ego, especially if you were used to making a little bit more money in the past. Where you were once an expert as an employee, you're now a novice as a business owner. And that's, that's what I've been experiencing over the past few years. What you have in your favor, though, anonymous is a million dollar inheritance. (laughs) This will help you ramp up, have more confidence and replace your income for the amount of years that you need. So let's talk about these steps that I would do here. The first thing that I would do is take some time off in the first three months. I would just take some time off of work and think about what you want to do with the second half of your life. Get a journal, Make some goals. Discuss these goals and plans with your partner and your kids. I found that when I give myself time and space to think, I come up with some great ideas. If time alone is important to you, take that time. Perhaps travel is important to you to clear your head and think about what's going on in the future. Do that. I wouldn't suggest rushing into any decision, especially one as big as this. During this time of contemplation, you can live off your inheritance and cover your former salary and benefits each month. But don't go crazy here, right? This is time for contemplation. It's time for relaxation. It's time for thinking about your future. The second step that I would do is invest most of it in the stock market. If it were me, I'd put, I don't know, maybe $750,000 of that million into the stock market as I described in the first section. This can potentially cover your previous salary and benefits for 13 years based on calculations, okay? That's plenty of time to ramp up your business and create an income stream and purpose that you enjoy. Work with a brokerage partner you trust I recommend partners like Vanguard or Fidelity. Also, meeting with a fee-only financial advisor is a really smart move with this. Connect with a fiduciary, somebody who's got your best interest at heart through a platform like XY Planning Network. That way you can work with somebody who's paid for their time, not for the products that they push on you, okay? Then I would ramp up your small business, with your mind open and your income taken care of, you'll be ready to start your small business. Since a lot of the reasons small businesses fail are due to financial reasons, you're gonna be way ahead of the game given your investment income. Now, how you do business ownership, that's up to you. But I would recommend studying up on small business ownership by reading books, listening to podcasts, or going to YouTube University watching YouTube videos from creators that you like. That's how I started my business. I found something that I was passionate about and then I just poured into how to do it better. Over time, you're gonna get smarter, your business is gonna help more people and you'll become more profitable. I've definitely found that to be the case with my small business. So I've given you a lot to chew on here, Anonymous. I hope this entertainment (laughs) has helped you a little bit on your journey. But what you've been given is a true blessing. So take that blessing, take that inheritance and live the life you've always wanted. Also, there's a way to give back along the way. And I would recommend that. I believe more money in people's lives just amplifies who you already are as a person. So if you wanna help people now in your life, if you wanna do good, you'll be able to do even more of that with your million dollar inheritance. Best wishes on this big adventure, my friend. Okay, enough from me, everyone. I wanna hear what you think. This is a big question. If you wanted to quit your job, how would you use a $1 million inheritance? Which of these three options that I threw out there, would you choose? Or would you go with like a hybrid option that I sort of developed at the end? Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at AndyHillMKM and let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. I love talking about increasing your net worth. This is our barometer for wealth building success. Today, we're going to speak with an investor who has grown her net worth to over $300,000 by age 33. Sammy Womack is our guest today. Sammy lives with her husband and her three children in East Texas. And when she's not building wealth for her family, she enjoys the outdoors with some camping and boating. Welcome to the show. Sammy?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to hear your story and the transparency you're bringing. Thank you. So let's talk about the beginning. At what point in your life did you start paying attention to your money in a way that got you where you are today?
1: Yeah. So it's been about eight years. It was around the time our middle daughter was born. So we've been doing this for eight years and we had our third baby in the middle of this. (laughs) My husband actually works offshore. He works in New York Harbor, specifically, sometimes off the coast, sometimes in the Gulf, but mostly in New York Harbor. And it was time for him to fly home for her to be born. And we didn't have the money for the flight, even though she was a planned baby. (laughs) So you're like, okay, well, we had, you know, the nine months waiting for her, the few months before that. Uh, So about a year heads up and we still didn't have around $800 or so for that last minute flight. And we just felt really like, what are we doing? We're not only like, we're, we're about to be parents of two. We're real adults now. We really need to get this together. We didn't have enough money in our emergency fund. Actually, we didn't even have enough available on credit cards, which had become our crutch. And we had to max out our last credit card for him to get home for her birth. I think we had maybe two or $300 available. It let us go over <laughs> the limit, I guess, because it was one charge. And so then not only did we have no emergency fund, we didn't even have credit card available balances. We couldn't get them to increase our balances anymore. We were really like, our, even our crutch was gone at that point. And so then we were like, all right, we've got to start to get it together. And of course, you know, we kind of stumbled around for about a year. It took me a while to really like set up a budget by a while. I mean, it took me like 10 months to be like, hey, this survival mode is not normal. We should set up a budget. It took us a few more months past then to be brave enough to add up our debt, which ended up to total about 490000 which we had absolutely no idea that it was that much. It it was just kind of this whole year of basically staying at that rock bottom and trying to kind of navigate and trying to kind of figure out, hey, you know, this survival mode is not normal. How do we change? What do we do? And we didn't have anybody really around us to ask. Everyone around us was kind of in the same boat. So we were very much like going first, blazing the trail and kind of getting on this track. Yeah, that's the short version.
0: (laughs) Wow. So yeah, you guys have made a huge swing in your life, increasing your income, controlling your expenses and decreasing them if need be. Let's talk about your income side of things first. What did you do for income? And talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so I had actually just became a stay-at-home mom. I was running my own business before that. And I was like, okay, we want to try to have a second baby. I'm going to come home. So that was also a lot of what kind of caught up with us eventually is that we had been borrowing from my business money. You know, I wasn't... I was losing money at the business, to be honest, which is why I closed it up. But we had kind of been borrowing from it, kind of helping us juggle And so that crutch was gone. I mean, it was just, it all really started to catch up with us. So my loss of income now, uh, like I'm doing my coaching now, you know, I have a course, I'm doing this money coaching thing as my job. And my husband still has the same job working offshore that he's had since, 2006 since, you know, we got out of high school. And so yeah, that was that was what it was. And really, you know, he's had the same job. So a lot of it was, of course, there were cost of living raises along the way. But a lot of how we got to where we are now is we got rid of our debt, we ended up selling our real estate, you know, we had two houses and a piece of land in that debt. We sold everything. We sold probably seventy percent of our belongings. We started over. We currently live in a two bedroom, one bathroom, like six hundred square foot rent house that we've been in for about four and a half years. So we really, we kind of just we sold what we could. We started over. We hustled through the rest of the debt, which there was a lot of credit cards. There was a lot of medical bills. There were a lot of different kinds of taxes. That kind of stuff was just paid off by. You know, cutting back our lifestyle.
0: So, the biggest expense most people have in their budgets is housing. And you guys just said, well, let's get rid of that. Talk to us about what that was like to sell that and transition into where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, we did. That was what we did. We had two houses, like I said. One was like a lot of people get into the same trap. We decided we're going to upgrade in house. And we're going to keep that old house and turn it into a rental property because people, you know, you hear a lot like, oh, that's a great idea. You should have a rental property. Well, you should not have a rental property when you're buried in debt. You should not have a (laughs) rental property when you have no emergency fund, which we didn't. Of course, that all eventually caught up with us. You know, our renter couldn't pay the rent one month and then we never caught back up after that. We almost got that house repossessed at one point because we couldn't pick up the slack when our renter didn't pay on time. It was just like, okay, well, we got to sell this stuff. Well, we're basically in the middle of nowhere, East Texas. Like, Houston's two hours away, Dallas is three hours away. Like, we don't have a great housing market, as you can probably imagine. So, it's not like some of these places where you put a house on the market, you get multiple offers the next weekend. No, like houses here can sit on the market for a year or two. Like, that's really not uncommon. So, it wasn't, you know, we could put them up for sale, but it still took. A while. Over a year, I think our our big house was for sale for over a year. But anyway, so we the big house was five bedrooms, two and a half baths, about 3,200 square feet. So that was a huge, huge culture shock to us. But also we kind of decided, hey, if we're going to be in this much debt... It's going to be for our dream house. It's not going to be for this house that doesn't really align with what we want. It's too big. It's not, you know, designed the way we we would design it. We're just going to start over. Of course, people thought we were crazy. A lot of people are like, there's no way you're going to be able to fit three kids in that house. And here we are. We honestly, these past four or five years have been the happiest years of our lives And that really just goes to show you that like living in alignment is much more important than the outside vanity metrics that kind of come into your happiness. So,
0: yeah. So you crushed all this debt. You guys made these lifestyle changes. When did you flip the switch to say, hey, I'm an investor now?
1: Yeah. So we were in this rent house actually for... Ooh, maybe five to seven months, somewhere in there, before our big house—the one that we were living in—actually sold. That was how much we were like. We've got to get out of this house. We were even willing to pay that mortgage and pay this rent. Our debt was low enough at that point. We had sold the other property, so we could kind of juggle both. That was how much we were like. I don't care if this makes mathematical sense at this point. That's how much we really we had to get out of that house, like for our mental health for our, all that stuff. We're like, we, we, we know this new house, this little house is where we are. And so we, we kind of lived there for a while. That was a big switch. And as soon as that house sold, we were like, we were 100% debt free. And we were like, Whoo, we have so much money, let's invest like we could finally, you know, really do the things that we wanted to do. And that's when I got really serious about, okay, we're going to track our net worth. Now we're starting over from scratch, we're going to do it in the order and the priorities that we should have been doing from the first place. And we're going to start over. And that's when I really got excited about tracking our net worth. And July of 2018 is when I started making my net worth chart that I share a lot on Instagram now where I just keep adding and adding to the progress. So July 2018. So that's how long it's been really since we got really serious. And yeah, and now our goal is for my husband to retire at 50 we're on track for that. We're on track to our, our number is about a million and a half is kind of our goal for him to retire. So we're on track to hit a million in our early 40s. We I think we have about nine years left, something like that, nine or 10. Let's see how the market goes. But (laughs) you know, that's kind of our goal. So yeah, that's that's kind of our investing journey
0: we talk about net worth on this segment a lot. So the liability side, we've talked about a lot. These are all the, what you guys owe, what you've gotten rid of. And we're talking about the assets as well with your investments. So talk to us about what your net worth is made of. Talk to us about how that's composed now.
1: Yeah, we're about 350, 355. Now, fast forward a couple years, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we decided <laughs> hey, we're going to buy some land. So we do have debt now. We have about 102,000 of debt again. The surprising thing is, though, with debt now that we are like in alignment and like on this track, this debt does not feel like a burden. This was a very intentional debt. This is in alignment with our goals. You know, it actually feels kind of great to be $102,000 in debt this time, which is incredible. So we do have that. But we've been paying on it for almost two years. You know, we did put a good down payment. So we do part of our net worth is about 23000 of equity in that land. We have a whole mess of vehicles. All their resale value gets to count. They were all cash flow. We don't have debt on any of them. So we've got an SUV. We've got a truck, a boat, a camper, a tractor, a trailer, a four-wheeler, a go-kart. I mean, we're loading up on the, on the toys, but <laughs> that's a good 60000 or so right there, all those resale value. And then, you know, the good stuff. We've got the 401k that's about 220 or so. My husband's 401k. We've got some cash savings. It's like 30-ish thousand. And then we have some IRAs. I have a mutual fund that I've had since high school that I'm kind of still hanging on to for sentimental value. We've got all that together. That's probably about 10 or 11,000 of it. So, yeah, a lot of it is tied up in our investments though. You know, we know that like our vehicles They're a depreciating asset. So we try not to put too much tied up in all that stuff. And that's about where it all is.
0: I love how that's broken down. You've got a lot planning for the future, right? With your investments. But then you also have a lot of like fun stuff for today. I think that's great
1: that's how I keep my husband on board. Um, You know, he's definitely the spender. I'm definitely the saver. I'm like, okay, we're on track for retirement. Here's what we can do for fun. And that's kind of how, you know, we stay, we stay going on these goals together because we recognize that our preferences are different. He wants to have fun. He wants the camper, the boat, the four wheeler, all that stuff. And I'm like, but the 401k, you know? Yeah, well,
0: I think that's important for people to hear because too much of anything could be bad, right? Too much savings could be bad. Too much fun could be bad. So having a good middle ground there is good, in my opinion. Now, you mentioned tracking your net worth. How do you guys do that?
1: I have a fancy little spreadsheet where I log it all. I have a nice little chart. I love to share my chart. I love to track it for myself. Even when we go through downward you know, the pandemic has had us all over the place, even tracking the downward, because I'm like, I know I'm getting a bargain on these shares, you know, it just really changes your perspective. Yeah, so I have a spreadsheet where I have all this broken down, I have a spot where I can put, okay, this is how much is in the 401k, this is the current resale value of each vehicle, I have it all broken down. And I go and update it every single payday, which is every two weeks for us. And it helps me kind of realize, like, we're on a big journey. We're on a wealth building journey. This really helps us kind of zoom out, especially when we get a little burnout, especially when we're like, are we doing anything other than just buying groceries and paying bills? It helps us realize like we're on a, we're on a much bigger journey. And that's really, it's really fun to track.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the act of it or just looking at it saying, what do I owe? And what do I own is kind of opening and relieving. So it sounds like one of the big goals you guys have now is to have your husband retire at 50 years old. And that number you've put out there is one and a half million, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's our number. And I I kind of recalculated it because last year was a really good, the market did great. It's kind of closer to like age 49 at this point. And he really, like he is not the budgeter. So every two weeks or so, all he really wants to know is how much I was able to put in savings because we are planning to build a house so we are gonna we are gonna we're gonna go back into more debt, but that's okay. So he wants to know how much we put in savings for the future house, and he wants to know where our net worth is. like how close am I to retirement? How's it going? Are we still on track? That's all he really cares about. He he really cares more about the big picture. So I kind of debrief him every two weeks and he loves it.
0: <laughs> I love how you guys have this long-term goal 49 and uh, making sure that you guys are doing it and having fun along the way with your kids in tow, which is great. Thank you so much for being here, Sammy. This is a fantastic story. There's somebody listening right now and they want to grow their net worth like you have. They're getting started and just paying attention to their net worth. What's one small step that they could take following this interview to grow their net worth.
1: Yeah, so I always remind my coaching clients that even if your net worth is negative, which a lot of people's are, especially with student loans and stuff like that, that that's okay. But also remember that you can attack your net worth from both sides. So paying down your debt does help, as well as building your investments help. So I also remind people that paying down your debt does get, it helps, it does make progress. And really like start investing as soon as you can, even if it's small, even if it's like 50 bucks a month, that it will add up. Go play around with an investment calculator and figure out how fast it really will. Compound interest is like my best friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is fun to watch. And you were definitely sharing a lot of that progress on Instagram. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Is it Instagram? Is it somewhere else? Tell us where to go
1: definitely instagram is my favorite i'm a little too obsessed with it so i'm at a sunny side up life everywhere instagram facebook youtube podcast you know all the things but instagram is that's where i live
0: (laughs) yeah excellent yeah if you're listening to this as a podcast sunny side up life check it out there sammy thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do a quick favor for me. Please share a positive family finance news story on social media and tag your friend Andy at Andy Hill MKM. I truly believe there's an opportunity for people like us to shine light and positivity in the world right now, especially on social media. So, Let's be the change we want to see on social media. Recently, I got an article from Anonymous from Michigan on the site Positive.News, which is a great name for a site about positive news, and it is entitled The Do Something for Nothing Movement that Started with a Free Haircut. And to help me read the article and share the good word, I'm happy to be joined by my son, Calvin Hill. How's it going, Calvin? Good. Wow. that You're excited this morning. Thank you for doing this before school. I know we're kind of in a rush, so I won't mess around too much. I don't want you to be late. Are you you nervous about being late for school? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Why don't we jump right into the article, okay? Here we go. Why don't you start here with this section, okay, in blue?
2: A stylist who gives free haircuts to homeless people has sparked a global movement, which connects... Professionals to those in need.
0: One day in 2015, hairstylist Joshua Combs took his scissors and clippers out of a London salon where he worked. He stopped to speak to a man who lived on the street nearby and ended up giving him a free haircut while they chatted. Combs has been telling the stories of homeless people via offering them haircuts ever since. His social media posts about the people he meets along his way has a large audience, and the movement that would eventually become the hashtag do something for nothing was born.
2: In one post, an image of a bearded face lined deeply with time and worry appears next to the Face without the beard, looking neat and fresh.
0: During a career as a professional boxer, the man pictured, which we'll link in the show notes, everybody, Joe, traveled all over the world from Northern Ireland to Australia. He stayed in Australia until his visa ran out and he was sent back to the UK, where he had very few connections. It takes you a while to get on your feet in a place like London, Joe explained to Combs, and was pleased to accept the offer of a free haircut. Joe's is one of many stories shared in Combs' recent new book, Do Something for Nothing. The tales cover loss, addiction, abandonment, but hope, resilience, and tenacity as well.
2: He is now a firm believer in storytelling as a means of creating change. His photos and captions help delve beneath the surface of homelessness.
0: One story is with a woman called Levine who Combs met in London two years ago. With the help of the Do Something for Nothing community, she is now housed and working in a cafe with her mental health greatly benefiting.
2: I feel like a completely different woman, she says. I'm not saying I don't have dark moments anymore, but they're not as bad and not as often.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for reading that with me, buddy. I just wanted to talk about this article a little bit. Did you know that there are half a million people in our country that are homeless? No. No. What would it feel like if you went to bed at night and you didn't have a bed, you had to sleep outside? What would that feel like for you?
2: Uncomfortable because it's icy outside. It is
0: icy outside. Can you imagine having to sleep outside in the weather you're seeing outside right now? No. What do you think of the man who gives the free haircuts to people who are homeless?
2: Really nice.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that's nice?
2: Because they can't cut their beard and they want to have a short beard.
0: Yeah. Do you think that makes them feel happy when they get a haircut? Yeah. What could we do as a family if we see somebody that doesn't have a home? What's something nice we could do?
2: Um, we could give them some money.
0: Yeah, we could give them some money. Do you think that would be nice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Hey, buddy. Thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Should we head off to school? Yeah. Awesome. I love you.
2: Love you, too.
0: Anonymous, thank you for sending that article over. I'm going to email you back and offer you some free merchandise from our store. Those are t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, hoodies. Calvin and I both have some shirts that say Marriage Kids and Money on it. I have a Carpe Diem sweatshirt on right now. What do you think of it, Calvin? Do you think it looks cool? Yeah. You're smacking the Carpe Diem. I love it. If you want to share some good news with us and receive some free merchandise from the Marriage Kids and Money store, please tag me with your favorite good news, family, or financial story on social media at Andy AndyHillMKM and tag good news, maybe a hashtag good news. And if you want to check out our store either way, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash store or click on the homepage of Marriage Kids and Money and support the Hill family by clicking on store. Calvin and I will be here next month sharing the good word. So please send in that good news, my friends. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Leo Tolstoy.
2: Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Leo Toiste.
0: Awesome. Well, your future is in your hands, Calvin. Carpe Carpe diem. diem!